Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the ME7 podcast. We're here tonight to dissect Gillingham's comfortable 5-0 victory over Dartford at Prince's Park this early afternoon. Talk about some of Neil Harris's post-match comments. Scott Malone is still with us at this moment in time. He said he wanted a decision by the end of the week. But the former Millwall fullback is still training with us and is in and around the group. Didn't participate today in the game, but is still with us and offer is still very much on the table. And also, striking options. Neil Harris said post-match that we are close to two players and hopefully one of them comes off preferably before Tuesday, but if not, before the weekend trips Dagenham and Redbridge in our final pre-season game leading up to the opening day away at Stockport. But, um, yeah, let's get into today's game. I'm drawn by Reese. obviously. Uh, Reese, you came uh, with me today for the game. Um it's obvious to say that we're going to face much tougher tests throughout the last nine months or so, uh, next nine months or so. But this result today was pretty much as comfortable as it could have been, couldn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. I think whilst us losing to Mill and Charlton didn't mean that we was going to struggle in League Two this season. Us beating Dartford five 0 today doesn't mean we're going to automatically go and win the league. Um, but no, I thought for the for the large part we were very impressive today. Um, you know, the tone was set from very early on. I think Jaden Clark had a had a shot saved in the first couple of the minute couple of minutes and that just sort sort of set the pattern for especially the first half. You know, it was it was one way traffic for large parts. Um we played some good football at times. Um, as we saw last season when we don't have Ollie Hawkins available, it does force our hand a little bit and we have to try and be a little bit more productive in the way we played football. Um and we did that for large parts, scored a couple of really, really good goals. Um, I think Dieng's goal was probably the pick of them for me. Um, some really nice play down down the left hand side, which is a bit of a theme for the from the first half, especially a lot of our good play come down the left hand side, sort of with Clark, Jeffries, Williams, um, and yeah, like like you say, there'll be much tougher tests ahead. But you know, for, for Neil, where we you know the, the forward situation is being spoken about, it was good for him to see that. We have still got players that can score goals that aren't necessarily strikers because you you do need more than that throughout the course of the season. You can't just rely on one one or two forward to score your goals. So, no, all in all, I, f- I, f- I think you know the team and, and the staff should be really really pleased with today. Yeah, like you say, um, us losing back to back to Mill and Charlton doesn't mean we're going down. Just like today doesn't mean we're going up. I think it's important to keep that perspective because there was a lot of uh, Jules fans after the Mill and Charlton games who were disgruntled or frustrated. When in reality. I don't think I think Millwall were better than us on the day, and of course of the ninety. I think Charlton there wasn't really too much in it, other than a small five minute collapse in the second half. I think we matched them. I think we could have very easily been going in at half time in front in that game, and it was just a game of fine margins, which is what pre season is mostly, and it's about fitness. So it is important, isn't it, to not get carried away on either term of the spectrum and just remain composed and keep the perspective in these sort of games. Yeah, definitely. And also, you know, players are all different as well individually. Some of them might, may find pre-season more of a slog than others. Others, Some players might find, may find it really easy to, you know, a game of football is a game of football. They they give it the exact same sort of thrust as they would a league game. Others may not have that mentality. They might, they might, might find it a little bit harder to sort of get into the swing of pre-season games. But then once the season comes around, they come alive. So, yeah, you know, we can look at performances and we can praise performances and we can say that certain players were really good, some not so, but in, in the grand scheme of things, it it won't have an awful lot of bearing come the first game of the season. You know, the, the key is 
like Harris keeps saying, that the, the players will get the right amount of minutes in their legs so that from a physical point of view, they're ready to go come Stockport in two weeks' time. Um, and the other important thing is that we don't get any long-term injuries. We know, obviously, we've picked up the sort of the knock to Hawkins, but, you know, that sounds like he's sort of, could be back as early as Monday, so that's that's nothing to worry about. You know, you're always going to get the odd couple of niggles during pre-season. So, all in all, yes, we've not won every single game. We've not played perfectly in every half of football we've played in pre-season, but I think overall we can probably be pretty pleased with where we are so far, really. I think when you mention uh, niggles and potential to pick up injuries, I think Neil has been very keen to twist and change the team about as much as he can to avoid those sort of things. We mentioned on the way about... Bode possibly starting because Nichols just runs the risk, if you like, of being run into the ground if obviously Hawkins not being being available. And he got arrested today. The team in the uh, first half that started the game and uh, three players in this whole team who got 90 minutes. Um, Jake Turner being one of them in goal. Chad Alexander, Max Clark, Shad OG, the new man in defence. Max Amish, Sean Williams, Tim Diang, George Lapsley, Joe Bode, Joe Bode, I should say, uh, Dom Jeffries and Jaden Clark. Um... Out of that team, I think it was Turner, I think it was Clark, and I think it was Aimer who all got 90 minutes today. Um, Dieng and Clark got around 80, 85, and there were some changes um, right on half-time that were always planned, according to Neil Harris, with Williams and Lapsley coming off at half-time for uh, Williams, and I think it was Coleman who came on initially at that point. And, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a nice balanced team in a way, wasn't it, Reese? Between players who we'd expect to be in the first eleven and in the team sheet come a couple of weeks' time, but then also some that Neil has been given opportunities to in these sort of games to show what they can do. I think it's worth mentioning Jake Turner because I think because Morris obviously swept all the Player of the Year awards last year, but I think Turner's had a very prosperous pre-season. I think last season when he was called upon, I don't think he really made any errors that I can think off the top of my head. Made a really good save today as well, so I think. That position for me between Turner and Morris, I don't think it's as obvious as it seems that Morris will be starting in a couple of weeks. I think Turner has had quite a lot of minutes. Um, obviously, we would have expected we'd be in pre-season for Morris to maybe play the last 45 in the last half an hour. But the fact Jake got the whole game today does, does show that Neil's definitely having a look at him. It might just be the case that you know we've got a pre-season behind closed doors a game against Cambridge on Tuesday. So maybe Morris plays the full 19. That one we don't know yet. But I think there is an argument to be made that the knocking at the door from Jake Turner for that number one spot is becoming a lot more consistent over this preseason period. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so, and and all managers say the same thing. That sort of when preseason starts, what happened the, the season before is sort of a line's drawn under that, and all players start on a on a par as preseason begins. In which case, you know, Morris's awards last season won't necessarily impact Neil Harris's decision come Stockport away in two weeks' time of who he picks. Um, he'll pick who he thinks right now is the best man for the job. Um, and yeah, to be honest with you, from from what I've seen in pre-season so far, um, which was all by the Dover game, I don't think either of the two keepers have done anything wrong. And we're in quite a good position, really, that we have got two very good goalkeepers where... We, we won't have a massive drop-off if one was to get injured. You know, the replacement would be just as good. And He's in a good position, Harris, with that one because I, I, I couldn't call which way. Well, I could, I, I, I'd leaned more towards, I think he probably will go with Morris to start the season anyway. But I think whichever one he picks, I don't think many people will have two complaints because, like you say, both are, both have proven, sort of not just in this pre-season, but whenever they've played last season, that they can be trusted. Um 
so yeah, the goalkeeping department is one where I think we're pretty well secure for the rest of this season. Yeah, two good options. Refreshing to have, obviously. We've not had two massively dependable goalkeepers, if you like, in a long, long time. And it also makes the transfer business a bit easier when you don't have to go looking for a, a goalkeeper. Although they probably are the easiest positions to find in the free, ma- uh, free agents market and things like that. But um, yeah, let's get on to what actually happened in the game. It was a blistering start from Jules, really, after half an hour or so. It was 3-0. We were already walking in the Prince's Park, if you will. Um, a nice uh, early chance, as you mentioned earlier, Reese build up from Jaden Clark. It's Tim Diang who had the shot on the half turn just inside the box. It was well saved, but we only had to wait nine minutes to take the lead. It was a ball into the box that was cleared out as far as uh, Sean Williams. His shot deflected past the dart for a goalkeeper, and that really set the tone. I think we got the early goal we needed. We imposed ourselves well, and I think from then on, it was it was pretty straightforward. Um, the pick of the goals, I'd agree with you, Reese, what you were saying earlier, the interplay between, um, I think it was Jeffries and Bode, which then led to the ball being played inside to De Yang. Much similar chance to the one he um, had saved initially, but this time from the opposite side, got this one into the far corner of a beautiful finish. And then Sean Williams straight from a corner, a nice little flick back header. It's a really good header, actually, on second view. And he sort of makes the run towards the near post, flicks it in the back of his head, just arrows into the far corner, 3-0. And then, yeah, Dartford for... All their endeavour didn't really pose too much of a threat until probably the last 10 minutes or so of the first half, which I think is when uh, not Morris, um, Turner made that great save from uh, the header. They hit the bar as well, a bit of a goal-mouth scramble. And Harris was keen to point that out after the game. He said the only downside of the performance is that we allowed a team with a lot of big-built men and a lot of big players to have opportunities from giving them the opportunity to get the ball into the box so often as we did. But I think other than that, in the first half, I think it was... Three good goals, three well-taken goals, a little spell at Dartford at the end, but I think we imposed ourselves really well in that first half, Rhys. Yeah, just spot on. Um, and it, Games quite often go like that, you know, if, if, you, if you start well, an entire half can quite often follow that kind of pattern. Um, you know, we, we, we moved the ball around nicely, we was patient with it. Um, we didn't look long too often. Um the times we did, Bode did, Bode did pretty well at making the ball stick. I'll give him that. Um, I think, listen, he's, he's a young a young man. He looks like he's got a lot of potential. He's got a bright future. The things he does well, the things he, he doesn't do so well. Um, you know, I, I thought that he was generally very good at having the ball stick to him when it come up. But then he was probably guilty a few times of, of just holding on to it for that little bit too long. But that comes with experience. Um, but no, we moved the ball from side to side quite often as well in that first half. And I think one of the goals come from that. Um, and then, yeah, like I say, last 10 minutes, Dartford had a little bit of a spell. And, and like Harry said, they're a big physical team. You know, they were very quick to go direct. They asked questions of, of our two centre-backs. And, and for the large part, they, they answered those questions really, really well. Obviously, they're not playing against football league standard forwards, but you can only play against what's in front of you on the day. Um, and yeah, from, from both a an offensive and a defensive point of view, I, I thought we was really, really comfortable in the first half. Yeah, on the subject of uh, defensive, let's talk about the uh, the debut of Shadrach Oji uh, playing with the number 22 on his back today. First team debut for Jill was not in a competitive game, but his first performance with us, I think one of the main things I noticed about him is not just that he's no, very strong, he's very tall, he's got a bit of pace about him for a centre-half as well. I think his distribution from the back was really impressive. Uh, there's a lot of times in that first half where he was calm on the ball, picked out brilliant passes to um, Dom Jeffries on the left-hand side, uh, played a big part in the uh, fourth goal as well, which we'll come on to in just a second. But I think all in all, obviously, it's not really a great 
measuring stick to see how he's going to fare in League Two, obviously. But I think he he had a, a really decent debut today, didn't he? I think he didn't do anything wrong. As I said, his ball playing from the back was really good. He was progressive in possession, defended well against the big physical side as well. And I think there was, albeit only a first game and against lower opposition, I think there's definitely promising signs there. No, like you say, it's it's not the, the sternest test they'll ever have as we move into the season. He'll, if he ends up in the team, that is, he'll play against more established strikers with EFL pedigree who will, you know, their movement will be more clever and they'll ask more questions of him. But today, he dealt with everything absolutely fine. Like you say, his, his pace is a really, really good asset. Um, if you can find any centre-back with pace, you know, you, you give yourself half a chance of being onto a winner um, because it allows them that even if they do make a mistake every now and then if they've got pace they can get back in and they can recover the situation um, and it, it showed signs of you mentioned his distribution um, of what Harris was saying he was so keen to pick up a, a left-footed centre-back because there was probably four, five, six times in that first half where he picked the ball up head straight up and hit a diagonal right out to the right-hand side to Clark or or to Alexander whoever was advanced at the time and I think if you have two right-footed centre-backs that option's not on because a right-footed centre-back is going to have to take that extra touch to bring it onto their right side to then try and hit that ball, in which time a, a, an opposing player has got across the pitch and cuts that out. So it can really open up doors from, from trying to get out of situations quickly by having the balance of a left and a right-footed centre-back. So it's going to be fascinating for me to see just how close he is to the start and 11 come the start of the season. You know, I'd like to think that he's been signed with the intention of either playing with both Max and Connor sometimes as, as part of a three or if not and we do play a two he's here to try and push the two of them and with the aim of dislodging one of them to secure his own place in the team because competition's healthy um, Max and Connor were really really good last season but was quite fortunate that they both stayed fit and, you know because it only takes an injury or suspension and all of a sudden you look a little bit light so no all in all a, re- a really good first showing from him like I said we, he will have sterner tests so I'm not going to get carried away thinking he's going to be the next best thing because, you know, he's played well against Dartford. But as debuts go, considering he only signed a, a couple of days ago, he, he can be really pleased, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's great that we, we mentioned the competition between Morris and Turner as well. In the back line now, we have, generally speaking, two pretty decent options per position. You know, some better than others per se. But Alexander McKenzie, I think, is very solid. Two-choice two, two choice pairing for to fight out for the right back position in League Two. And then, obviously, with the defence, you've now got Connor Max. OG and uh, Will Wright, and then the left out position. At the minute, we've just got Max Clark. We might sign Scott Malone, we might not, but even if we don't, we've then got uh, Alexander or McKenzie who can go there if needs be. So, in terms of stability going into a league season, you know, we've often been in the case where we're, you know, scrounging around trying to fill positions with transfers last minute, etc. You know, it might still happen if things come up, like injuries, you don't know, but it's good to see that. Other than the front three positions, if you like, we seem to have two good options in every position at the minute. Yeah, like you say, aside from sort of the the attacking areas, we're well stacked everywhere else. Um, from from the goalkeepers, as we've touched on, yes, defensively, um, Alexander McKenzie probably very little between the two of them. You know, you expect it. I expect Harris's outlook will be games where he wants a more sort of defensive first fullback. He'll go with McKenzie, and then games where he wants his his fullback to move forward a little bit more, he'll probably go with Alexander. Um, the centre-backs, obviously, we've got Connor, we've got Max, we've got the new lad, and and obviously still Will Wright. So we've got four options, and I think that's healthy. I think four centre-back options for a season is is about what you want. And then, yeah, left-back, if 
if Malone signs, if Malone doesn't sign, I, I think we'll still be comfortable either way. You know, if he signs, fantastic. He's he's obviously a player with great pedigree, but if he doesn't sign, Clark looks really, really decent from what I've seen so far. And we have got other players that can play there. And, you know, and then you move forward and, and I mean, midfield, we've got more options than you can wave a stick at. Um, but that's that's a good thing. You know, midfielders are quite prone to picking up injuries because it's, it's an industrious part of the pitch to play in. Um, but, but most importantly, we've got we've got a good range of options in midfield as well. You know, like Dieng and, and Coleman are good defensive players. You know, we've got the left-footed nature of Williams, Lapsley, Johnny Williams, quite attack-minded. Um, Jeffries and Johnny Williams can also play wide as well as playing in the middle. So I think in midfield, we're, we're really well set. We've got a good mixture of good footballers, um, good athletes, with, with, with a good amount of steel in there too. It's just, like you say, it's just... It's just finishing off the last couple of pieces of the puzzle now in the, in the forward areas. You know, I'm I'm still calm on that situation. I'm I'm not as concerned as some people have been getting in the last few days. You know, we will sort it. Of course, we will. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, overall, I'm I'm quite happy with where the squad is at the moment. Yeah, we'll get on to the update if the if you like in terms of finishing off those striking positions, which seems to be hopefully coming to an end soon. Going by uh, Neil's comments, but. Um, for the rest of the game, it was um, a pretty bland second half, to be honest. We had a good few chances, obviously got a couple more goals. Dartford, a few half chances here and there, but again, a lot of huff and puff, but no blowing the house down, so to speak. Three little pigs to say for this evening. And uh, yeah, I think both goals in the second half were fairly similar, weren't they, Reese? It's a good build-up play down the right-hand side for both of the ball cradle across the box and an easy tap-in in the end for first Jeffries and then Clark. I think Jeffries' goal... Comes from a, a great switch of play from uh, OG and it finds its way to Jaden Clark. It's a ball across the box. And I think one of the Dartford players seems to be getting there. I think he just misses the ball and then it's a simple tapping for Dom. And Dom was uh, playing out wide predominantly in the in the first half and the second for as long as he stayed on for Cotton and Ball when he came off exactly. And uh, goes into what we were saying about we do have players who aren't natural wide midfielders or wingers, if you like, but they can do a semi-decent job there. I noticed Dom was hugging the touchline for a lot of the first half. He was playing... Good interplay balls in with Joe Bowden. We were getting in quite easily. But again, you have to take the opposition into account in that factor. I don't think it would be as effective in um, in League Two football. I think Dom has got that pace. He has got that attacking mindset. But obviously, he isn't an out-and-out an out winger, if you like. So he could become a bit more predictable against better opposition. But I thought for today, it was obviously going off the back of his performance in Coma as well, scoring that great goal. I think he's... Another one who's had a good pre-season. He's, he's knocking at the door. Had a very simple finish for him today, of course, but it would do his confidence no harm. And I think it was another good outing as well. Uh, firstly, what do you think of, of him in terms of would he be in your first eleven going to Stockport at this moment in time? And secondly, do you think he is someone who can provide a good enough option out wide in League 2? Or obviously, are we looking more for that fluid, attack-minded, natural wide player? Um, to answer your first question, would he be in my start in eleven? I honestly, I, I don't know. I haven't really given given it any thought. I, to be honest, I don't even know what formation I'd pick if I was picking a team for Stockport at the moment. Um, he'd have every chance of being in it. I like Dom a lot. Um, it gives us great energy. He's a great carrier of the ball. Um, something you know, like you look at last season's squad. He was probably the only one really that had that ability to sort of pick the ball up and, and get us thirty, forty yards up the pitch with it. Um, so I expect he will be right amongst it in Harris's thinking for the first game of the season. Um, like you say, he was excellent today. We had a lot of good performers today, um, especially going forward. I thought he was really, really good. And what would, 
as a team, what we did really, really well today, I think Dieng's goal showed that in the first half and then the one that Clark scored and, and Jeffries himself in the second half showed that we worked the ball into the penalty area really, really well. Um, you know, it wasn't just we was was aimlessly firing balls across the face of the box, hoping that something would happen. You know, Harris said in his interview afterwards that sort of the last two days in training, they've just been sort of, sort of trying to sharpen us up in the attacking areas, you know, probably doing 3v2s, 4v3s, that kind of thing. And it looked like it showed um, because, like I say, it wasn't aimless balls into the box. We was actually getting numbers into the box from midfield and the people out wide were picking out players rather than just hitting and hoping. Um, and sort of the last goal, was it the last, the last uh, Clark's got the last goal, didn't he? Um, yeah. Where, you know, we had a lot of good options in the box. It initially goes to Williams. He scuffs his shot, but we've got someone else attacking the box like Clark in there to, to stick it in. And in League Two, you'll you'll probably get 10, 12 goals a season like that if you've got players willing to commit and make runs into the penalty area late. So it's good to see signs of that working. Um, and Jeffries is a player that I think can do that as well. You know, he likes to get forward. He likes to get into the penalty area and get amongst it. And I think it is, it is an interesting point, obviously, that there is a lot of talk about the lack of a goal score or whatever in our team. But I think we have got a lot of midfielders that could and probably should contribute with a healthy number of goals this season. Um, and perhaps last season they didn't all do as well as they should have done um, in terms of goal return anyway. So I think that's something to be mindful of going into the season that, you know, Lapsley's shown he can score goals. Jeffrey showed that you like to get forward. Johnny Williams can score goals. We know Dieng scored goals for Exeter previously. Um, you look at Sean Williams, not just today, but, you know, last second half of last season, he scored a couple of really important goals. Um, Jaden Clark looks like he's going to be a threat. So, you know, I, I think we've got good options all over the pitch in terms of midfielders that can create and can score goals. Um, it's just like Harry says, it's just sharpening them up, getting them to know how each other work and how they operate, especially the new guys. So, no, I think I think we're progressing along nicely and there's going to be intense competition between all of them for, for that start in 11 come the first game of the season. You know, Jeffries, Lapsley, Williams, the other Williams, Clark, Coleman, Dieng. They're all trying to make their case at the moment and I wouldn't say any of them are doing an awful lot wrong. So, it's it's going to be tough for Harris to pick in two weeks' time, but, you know, as a, as a manager, I'm sure that's a, that's a headache he'll be really glad to have. Do you have many, uh, many similar headaches in your time with Catalans? Um, no, normally it's just whatever 11 turn up, mate, to be honest. Oh, well, at least you can get one. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Jaden Clark, because obviously he's, he's one that I think, when you look at the sort of, I'd say you like the bubble of about four or five, you put like Sissole, Bode, Chambers, Clark into that section. I think Clark is probably the one, obviously he didn't get as many minutes towards the end of the season as Ethan Coleman did, for example. I think he's a mainstay in our squad now. Let's talk about whether Clark might stick around or whether he might be loaned out. It does seem as though the idea for Bode and Sito, especially, is to go out and loan Chambers remains to be seen. But I think Jaden is probably one who's doing himself a lot of favours in terms of putting his name there to be in the squad week in, week out, rather than go on a loan spell. I think there's still worries for me about his end product. I think he gets into good positions. I think he's dribbling and attacking that one-on-one one-on-one with fullbacks is good. I think he had the fullback on toast for the majority of the game and um, putting a good ball for the Jeffries goal, of course, and then got his own goal. But I think he's someone that I look at and I think, not just because we don't have many wide options at this moment in time, but I think even if we did, I think he'd be someone that I'd be keen to have stick around because I do think he is someone that can be nurtured under Harris. I think he's someone who He's only going to develop and obviously there was faith in him to put him into the team. 
here and there towards the end of the season as well. I think he's made a good impact this pre-season. I think he's taken it on board with his, this being his first full season in EFL football and with a new club. And I think he deserved his goal today. I think Bode probably deserved the goal as well, just was unlucky on the day. But I think Jaden was really impressive today. I think it's interesting that he was given 85 minutes. That shows that he's been having a forward, thoroughly been looked at by Neil. And I think, Reese, I don't think either of us would be disappointed if he was in the, maybe not starting, but in the team in terms of the squad that travelled up to Stockport and Edonk. I think although he's still got a bit way to go in terms of final product, especially I think there is a good, exciting young product there. No, I agree. I think he's one that we should probably keep amongst it now. Um, and, you know, yeah, I agree with your point on end product, but also I suppose it's sort of par for the course at our level. Wingers are generally consistently inconsistent. Um, you never really know what you're going to get from them week in, week out. Um, but he's shown some really, really good qualities. Like you say, 1v1, um, he's a defender's nightmare. Um, he can go inside, he can go outside. He's He's not afraid to try and take fullbacks on. Um, and I think one of the most important things for him is that physically he looks like he's up for it. Um, you know, he's strong. He's quite powerful. He, he tracks back. He wins his jewels. Um, so I can see why Harris is really, really happy with him. And, and yeah, I think he's he might be a little bit of a joker in our pack that he's different to anything else we've got. Um, you know, we, we have got players, like I've said, like Jeffries, like Johnny Williams, who can operate in wide areas. But Clark's a little bit different. He's got that more direct style of play. He's got that pace. He's got that power. Um, and even if it's just in, sort of in the early part of the season anyway, it, it's an option that we have on the bench that if we want to stretch a game, he, it'll be perfect for playing that kind of role and then seeing what he does. And then from there, who knows, he may really force himself into into the into the fold for starting places. Um so no, uh, you know Chambers, Bode may well be best to look to look to loan them out. But Clark, I, I definitely think he'll he'll be one that should and probably will stay amongst the first team setup at least in the early part of the season. Yeah, I think it goes a long way to say that we're talking about someone who, whether we want to keep them within the squad or send them out on loan, he'd probably still be a lot better than all the players we had at the start of last season. Yeah, I mean, you're not you're not wrong. Um, and, that, and that is a thing. Um, that sort of going off topic a little bit, where sort of there has been a little bit of restlessness in the last week or so in terms of oh we've not got the strikers we've got. I still think if, if yeah, the, the squad now is, in my opinion, still stronger than the squad that we finished last season with. Um, you know, you you could make the argument about Alex McDonald, but other than that, we've not lost anyone of note. Um, you know, we've gained a really solid left back in, in Max Clark. We've got Masterson in permanently. We've signed a left-footed centre-back um, who looks like he's got good attributes. And we've signed a really, really good player in Johnny Williams. So, yes, whilst we do want and we do need these extra attacking players, I do also think people shouldn't lose sight of the fact that we have got a bloody good squad here as it is at the moment. And if if the season started tomorrow, we could put an eleven out that, that could win a League 2 game of football, no problem. Um, so we're in a really, really good spot, and like, and like you say, uh, compared to this time a year ago, the, the squad is chalk and cheese. It's it's an absolutely different level. Yeah, and like we we were saying on the way, we did a lot of our um, pre-season signings for this year, if you like, in January anyway, not just to get us out of trouble, but with an eye to the future. And you know, it is night and day when we talk about. It. I know we mention it a lot. I certainly do when I compare our team now to what it was at the start of last season. When you look at you know, the likes of 
you know, I don't, I don't want to name names. I think people can work out who we had last season. I don't want to be terrible to them. But then you compare them to, you know, the Diangs, the, the Lapsleys, the Nicholses, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it is day and night. And I think that's part of the course, really, when you look at players that have come in that we haven't heard rumours about, you know, Ethan Coleman or Jaden Clark, we didn't really know anything about. And I see a lot of people or comments in the week from people who were disgruntled saying that, you know, Hess and Jacket aren't doing their job. It's a waste of time, things like that, which is ridiculous to say, I think. And it just goes straight, just because you're not hearing rumours day in, day out from, you know, this journey or that journey, it doesn't mean there's not work being done. And we've picked up two unknown players, if you like, um, or James this. I didn't mean unknown as a horrible thing. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> but then they've turned out to be great additions to us. And I think, I think that's the point, really, isn't it, Reese? Just because, and this is going on to the striker topic now and what Neil said uh, after the game, that just because you're not, hearing rumours week in, week out, rumours that Neil himself has said not to believe because they're not true. It doesn't mean that there's not stuff going on behind the scenes. And also, it sort of brings you back to the olden days of transfers, isn't it? When you don't have the social medias and uh, Fabrizio Romano's and not that he'd be reporting on Gilling and making a signing. But you have that anticipation of bringing in a sign-in that you don't know who it's going to be rather than seeing rumours and getting your head all worked up in one direction or it has to be this person because this person said that and whatever else. But by no means does not hearing rumours mean that there's not work going on. No, absolutely. Because I think if you look at the nature of the signings we've done so far, um, obviously Johnny Williams, it came out very, very late in the day about him. And obviously that was from that was from Bradford's end. So there was nothing that could be done about that. But we didn't know until on the day that there was any chance of that happening. Um, Max Clark come completely out the blue. There was no rumour of him. Um, it just happened, and, and the same as the signing we made the other day. You know, was, there was no prior talk to that. It just happened to be that he was spotted at the game on on Tuesday, and then signed later that evening. So, and you compare that to the amount of players that we've been linked with in in the Twitter universe that have turned out to be absolute nonsense. And from a fan's point of view, I do understand it because this is, as Jill's fans, it's not something we're used to. Um, you know, we're used to shopping in the market for players that other clubs generally don't want. We sort of buy what's left over. Um, whereas now we're doing things differently. You know, we, we are trying to sign players that are in demand that other teams want. Um, and that naturally probably means that deals are going to take longer. Um, it means we're going to have to work harder to get them. And like you say, people saying that sort of what, what a Hessen jacket contributing at the moment. Well, their contribution in January kept us in the EFL for a start. And I, I I do think it is a big part that people forget is that probably a lot of our business in January was with an eye to this season. Um, so it was never going to be the case that we was going to go and sign 10, 12 players this summer and spend loads and loads of money. Um, we knew we had the nucleus of a good squad there from the second half of last season. It's just been a case of trying to fine tune it this summer and give us a little bit more depth, um, which we're on the road to doing, you know, and the, start, the window doesn't close until the end of August. Um and, you know, do we want everyone in yesterday, ideally? Yes, Harris has said that himself. But it's not a case of that if we don't have a player forwarding by the first game of the season, we're not going to get one. There's still another month. Um, and when you're trying to buy players, sometimes it can take longer because it may be a case that teams we're trying to buy for buy from are still trying to finalise their squad. So it might may take them to get players in before they let others come out. Um, and like I said to you and James earlier, in terms of free agents, it's not a case that all the good ones have gone now. Um, there are still some very, very good names that are about and the closer the season comes and they're still unemployed, we may be become a more realistic option for them than we may have been a month ago. So 
there's certainly no stress from my end on on the situation. I think, you know, Neil, Kenny, Hess, I'm sure they're doing absolutely all they can. Um, the players that have come in since January and over this summer have, have been good. We, you know, we've not from the January window and this summer, I don't think we've signed a dud. I think they've all been good signings. Um, so I'm confident that who we do bring in will be good. Um, it's just a little bit of a waiting game, which is frustrating. But the lack of rumours, I actually don't mind. I actually quite like it when one just comes out of the blue that no one's spoken about. It's, just, it's quite a nice surprise sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And plus, when you look at all the rumours that come about this summer, the only one that seemed to have really any substance was May, and that was obviously very well publicised. The one about Akinyemi, we can... I can I can say this now because it's happened anyway, but the deal with that, I think you were there, Ruth, when we mentioned this, was um, we went to air about Akinyemi, we inquired, they gave us a price, we said no, walked away, that was it. It wasn't a, wasn't a long-term back and forth or anything like that, it was just, uh, we want this, no thank you, see you later, now he's gone to York, that's literally it. And, you know, what other rumours, you know, the one a few months ago from that guy from The Sun who said we were after Tucker, I think Reece Subin spoke to Harris that... Um, not just the player of the year last year, but times before. And, you know, when we talked about the season before and players individually, I think we knew from that conversation alone that that was never going to be an option for us because, well, you know. But, um, yeah, just just goes to show that you can't believe everything you see from whatever, you know, outlet you read it from. The whole May saga itself, you know, the, the Cheltenham journalist who was saying we're clear favourites and the next day we weren't. And then, you know, the next day Bristol Rovers are clear favourites and things like that. I think... A lot of rumours these days are just, I think a lot of it's probably agent-driven from the individual players to maybe get a better deal out of it. You know, if um, the player's going somewhere and the agent thinks they can get more money and, you know, because obviously agent fees are included in all of this as well, from someone else, they'll put someone else's name in there to try and hype up the price and things like that, Reese. So it is a case of just, with the rumour mill, take everything for a pinch of salt, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, because what what... What have Twitter linked us with over this summer that hasn't happened? Obviously, like I say, Mabel is probably truth in. Um, yeah, Akinyemi, Tucker, Raggett, Shayojo, which Harris frankly laughed off. Um, and there's probably, there's probably more that I'm, that I'm forgetting. There's so many. Some probably aren't even realistic for us, like Harris has said. You know, we are, yes, we have better resources now than we had a year ago, but we are still a League Two team at the moment. Um, so, respectfully to ourselves, we are at a level where there probably is a a limit to the tub player will be able to attract. Um, so, yeah, it has got to that point now where sort of the May one, I fell into the trap a little bit when the Cheltenham journalists sort of tweeted that we were favourites. I think that did naturally get quite exciting. Um, but it turned out that he wasn't really particularly believable in the end either. So, no, like you say, it's just a, it's just a case of now it's read something on Twitter or on a Facebook forum or something and just sort of acknowledge it, take it with a pinch of salt and don't be surprised if you hear nothing of it ever again. Um, because like I say, it seems like the business that we have done has actually been kept pretty quiet, pretty well from within the football club. So, yeah, I think it's just a case of, don't be- yeah, like, like Harris said, don't believe everything you read. Um, and until sort of stuff comes out from the club officially, then nothing's official, is it? No, it's all very much keep the perspective and keep your limitations low. And, now, obviously, as we're saying, the only people who can tell us the truth are the people involved in going off that basis. Let's get to uh, Neil Harris's comments after the game. Firstly, we'll get on to um, the striker situation. And uh, he was asked about this by Luke Goodell from um, uh, Kent Online, who said, is there any update on the striker situation? To which 
Neil said he's hopeful of two players. Uh, he said two of them he thinks are close, which means we should hopefully at least get one of them. And he was hoping before Tuesday, if not by the Dagenham game on the weekend, which is, I think, Reese, what when everyone's panicking, which they are, I get people arrested and they're frustrated. I think that's the sort of thing they want to hear. And I think it's quite interesting because Neil isn't really someone who, you know, when we had Steve Evans, he was always key to say, oh, we hope for one or two this week. We hope for this, that. And, you know, I'm sure there was cases with Steve Evans where he said, we're going to get this one in this week. And probably sometimes we did, sometimes we didn't. But he's not someone who tends to put um, limit, uh, time limitations on things, Neil Harris. He always says, he's always quite keen to say, isn't he, that he doesn't want to, over-egg everyone's excitement or bring it down to a degree. He's not someone who says we're guaranteed to bring this player in or we're hopeful to bring this player in. He hasn't said that all summer from what I can recall. So it is hopeful from his end as well that he's gone out and said that he's hopeful that we can get someone in this week, which would suggest to me that whatever deal it is with maybe a club or a free agent, that we do seem to be very close to getting this one over the line now, whoever it may be. Yeah, I suppose you can read it like that. Um you know, nat- naturally, I'm sure the closer we get to the season, the harder we're working to get something done anyway. So I wouldn't be surprised to see someone come in this week. Um, but I also won't throw my toys out the pram if if it doesn't, because I was sort of jokingly saying to you earlier that uh, at the end of the day, yes, at the moment, our, our two senior strikers are Tom Nichols and Ollie Hawkins. Uh, well, it was like that for six months last season anyway. All that's changed is that Lewis Walker's got injured again. And suddenly that sort of, I know to you that is a big deal, but, you know, to a lot of people that do nothing but slag off Lewis Walker, suddenly him being injured has caused a crisis in the striking department. When Realistically, we're in the exact same situation as we were for the second half of last season. Um, but no, hopefully we do get some, get some news this week. Um, because, you know, people have been waiting for it for quite a long time now and it, and it, and because the, the, the excitement's there, because we know that sort of it's the missing piece of the jigsaw in our squad. Um, so I, I'm excited to see who who it is that comes in and and whether or not they can they can push us onto the next step. Because whilst I was really excited about Alfie May and I wanted us to do everything we could to get him, um, I also, on the opposite hand, don't think it's essential that we have a 20 goal a season striker. I think if we get another one in that could score sort of. 12, 13, 14 goals, I think we'll be in a really, really good situation. Um, you know, if you look at the nature of this division last season, only one of the top seven scored 70 goals. Um, the rest were all in the 60s. So you don't have to score excessive amounts. You know, you look at Orient who won the league. I don't even think their top scoring striker got double figures. Um, you know, we know from last time we won this division 10 years ago that we didn't have a 20-goal a, a season striker. So I think people get caught up sometimes on the need for a 20-25 goal a season man. But actually, sometimes it's better not to rely on one man to score your goals. It's better to share the load around the team. And, you know, if we, if we can get another player like, you know, I think Hawkins and Nichols will get 10 each over the course of a season. If we can bring in another forward that can do that, and then you add in Johnny Williams, Jeffries, Lapsley, Masterson will chip in, Dieng will chip in. Suddenly, sort of 55-60, 65 goals then comes into, into view and then we'll be there or thereabouts with with our defensive record last season, if we can, re- if we can replicate that, we'll be, we'll be there or thereabouts coming into the season and we're not going to need to score 75-80 goals to be up there. Yeah, and obviously with, with, with the May thing, like we talked about in the past, it is keen to remember about, you know, Brad and Shannon talking about wanting to bring stability to the club and just because we have money now, it doesn't mean we should have to go out and spend, 
you know, whatever amount on, on someone like Alfie May just because we can or because we feel it's feasible. You've got to have a long-term image in it and he is 30 and, you know, we're not going to get any sell-on fee for any, any of it or anything like that. And then you obviously got to take into account what I was saying earlier about agent fees and things like that. I'm sure there was a lot of add-ons and the deal that Charlton eventually struck with Cheltenham, which would have included, you know, appearances, goals, possible promotions and, and things like that, which would have taken the fee up quite an amount, I would have thought. So it is key to remember, isn't it, Reese? that just because we do have money, and I think it's easy for people to get carried away, and I'm probably one of them as well, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to go and get X, Y and Z player that we wouldn't have been able to get before just because we might have the financial stability um, or now to be able to do it. You've got to think long-term, haven't you? No, and and Brad said from, from day one that, you know, we want to improve the team, we want to move the club forwards, but sustainability is the key word. We don't want to completely blow our load in one or two transfer windows. And in a year's time, we, we struggle to strengthen the team because we've not got the resources to do so anymore. And that's what a lot of clubs sort of that have had investment sort of league one, league two over the last sort of five, six years have fallen guilty of. Um, because yeah, you get really you can it's easy to get really carried away in the first sort of six to twelve months and then problems come on the horizon further down the line and you don't we don't want to be in that situation. We want to move forward. Yes, it might mean that we don't shoot up through leagues as quickly as people may like, but it's important that we do it in a sustainable way. And like, we, like we've touched on, we probably did quite a lot of our signings for this, for this summer in January. Um, so, yeah, I think when, when you weigh it up and when we get to the end of the sort of this transfer window, if you look back over the January window and this summer's window, we'd have done an awful lot of very, very good business without being reckless in the amount of money we've spent. Um, yes, we spent fees allegedly on sort of Dieng, Hawkins, Lapsley in, in January, but from the reported amounts, they weren't silly money. Um, because also at our, at our level as well, it'd be very easy to go and blow half a million on one player and then, God forbid, they get injured badly after a couple of weeks. And then that's a massive investment that's, that's straight down the pan. So, no, yes, you know we're in a, we're in a better place than we were a year ago financially, financially but yeah. We're, we're not in a position where we should be letting clubs hold us to ransom. You know, if we inquire about a player and they ask for too much money, the club are right to say no um, because we have to do what's right for us um, uh, and not just cave into clubs' demands. Because if you start doing that, then every time you try and sign a player, the, cl- the clubs will rip you off because they know that you're you're an easy ride. Um, so I, I think we've been really, really sensible in our approach. I really do. Yeah, certainly. So we will see who the striking option is if it does indeed come off later on this week and hopefully it'll be someone that can do a good job for us. I'm sure it will be. Otherwise, why would we be trying to sign him? Um, our final subject for today, Reese, we'll just quickly gloss over the quotes from Neil Harris on a, a man who was not involved today. He isn't officially a Jules player at this moment in time anyway, and that's Scott Maloney. Played in Como, uh, didn't play against Millwall, played against Charlton, didn't play today. Um, a lot of people saw before the game the idea that if he was going to be playing today, then we probably would be signing him. If he isn't, then he's not, because there was the um, conversation that was had between him and Harris, where Harris essentially said he wants a decision by the end of this week, which is uh, very keen-minded, um, I think, for me to see him say that, because, well, you got a team that's going to be going to Stockport and starting the league season in two weeks' time. We can't really be faffing around for too long with someone who may or may not be joining the team and you need to make sure you stick to you know timelines you set for these sort of things because you can't really be taken for a ride for that long when you've got to think about the actual players you do have and 
obviously he didn't play today. Um, Neil Harris said after the game that he is still with us. We do still have an offer on the table, but a decision essentially hasn't been made yet. Um, we mentioned this earlier, didn't we, Reese? that Max Clark is a great left-back option for us at the minute. We do have players who can fit in that position if Max isn't available. And although Scott Malone can also play further up as a, as a left-side midfielder, I think everyone would take him because of the experience and now and the quality he has, especially at this level. But in terms of the position we need, I don't think it's a, a central signing per se. I think we're still well-stacked. And I also think at the same time, if he is to sign tomorrow, for example, then I'll be happy and I'll be think it's a really good signing, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to do us any favours if we keep holding on, allowing him to come trade with us, etc. If he's going to keep delaying his decision, because at the end of the day, you've got to keep your mind focused on the team that you're going to take to Stockport, the players that you do have, and you can't really allow yourself to accommodate someone who could be training with us for the next week again and ultimately decide he wants to go elsewhere. No, I think I think you're right. It, it, I probably. I... I'd say it'd probably be a bonus signing, really. Um, because, like you say, we're fortunate enough that we've already done some good business in, in the left-back position and we've got a very capable left-back on on the book. So, we're in a fortunate position that we can put a, an offer on the table from Malone and just sort of leave it there for him to decide as and when he wants. Because it's not a case of, oh, we need a decision by Malone, from Malone by tomorrow so that if he says no, we can go and get someone else. Because... In reality, if he if he signs, fantastic. Like you said, you know he's got great pedigree, great experience. He'll be a superb player at our level. But if he doesn't sign, I can't see us going out and signing another left back. I thought it would just be okay. He's not signed. End of story. We'll go with what we've got, and I'm comfortable with that either way. Um, yeah, Harris is probably right not to use him at the minute. You know, leave him to make his decision, but. We're into sort of the last two or three friendlies now before the season. So he probably wants to start looking at, like you say, players that he knows are going to be with us. Um, starting to turn an eye towards that first game of the season. So I understand the decision to not use him today. I think it was the right one. Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll get that situation resolved in the next week or so. Like like you are. I hope he does sign um, because it'll be a fantastic addition for us. But it's, it's not a case that if he doesn't sign it drastically changes my hopes and ambitions for this season because it, it doesn't. We're in a good place anyway in that position um, and it would just be a bonus if we can get him on board as well. Yeah, I'm sure we'll find out more updates on both Scott and the potential new signing we have coming this week during the uh, fans forum this Thursday. I'm not sure a lot of Jules fans will be there. I will be, uh, Reese will be as well, I believe, and all the boys from the podcast, etc. So we'll be uh, getting some content um, to review on our next podcast after that. But um yeah, in terms of the final comments we've had come in tonight, um, it's been a pretty off-the-cuff podcast. This weren't really going to do one, but we thought, mate, as well, just given the um, comments that came out after the game, there's a bit for for us to discuss. Uh, George has got a funny feeling that Malone will sign. Surely discussions must be good if he's staying here. They're still training without any concrete offers. Um, I can see that viewpoint, but also players need to get fit. And you know, if there's a place they can go and do that where, without having to overly commit to it at this current moment in time. I think most players would, but hopefully he does end up committing. Uh, Liam Burnett says got loan options as well if we need them, which is another key point. I mentioned this on Wednesday's podcast. We haven't yet dipped into the loan market. I think if we're looking for an extra wide player, maybe a natural winger, maybe we can look towards a Championship or Premier League loan, someone that might be a bit raw, but will have that young experience, uh, and experienced legs that can come into the team and maybe prove to be a, a rough diamond, if you like, so we'll have to see on that one. Um, Matty Holmes says, Defo in my starting 11 in regards to Jeffries. 
Tony Rudrow says, whatever the starting eleven, the bench will be the strongest for many a year. Certainly agree with that. And Average Jules and Joya says, do you think Sam Nombe from Exeter could be a realistic signing? Um, Reese, just going on um, what we were talking about earlier, Alfie May and the package that it would have included to um, to get him in. I think Sam Nombe is 24. He scored a lot of goals for Exeter. Six years younger than Alfie May. I think if we couldn't quite muster the money to put in a good offer for May, I think that puts Nombe very much out of the window, doesn't it? I don't know anything about him, to be honest, mate. Obviously, we we pinched Dieng off of Exeter in January, but as far as I'm aware, Dieng was sort of in and out of the team at the time. Where yeah, it sounds like this guy is sort of the main the main man for Exeter, so it probably would take quite a big fee to get him. Like you say, he's not he's one that's probably on the up in terms of his career at the moment, rather than rather than on the way down. I don't I don't know I don't know I don't know anything about him or Exeter's financial situation to to know anything about the plausibility of that. To be honest. Yeah, fair enough, but yeah, I'll probably be a no on that one. But yeah, anyway, we'll be back on uh, Saturday evening, I believe, next week to review uh, our trip to Dagenham and also talk about the ins and outs of the uh, of the fans' forum. We'll see what uh, sort of goods, quotes, and etc. we get from um, Neil Kenny and whoever it is. Now, as you know, Reese, I certainly believe in jacket. I know you do as well. And until then, up the jewels. Good night. <laughs>